All right. We are living in the last days. Amen. Um, I watched part of the Israeli news this morning. I got a chance to. And uh, what's happening at all major universities right now, the Muslims are putting a big front against all uh, Jews. Their uh, anti-Semitism is running rampant through the universities. And they also said that uh, they have inside information that there are a lot of ISIS uh, plants throughout the United States. And uh, they have, uh, they're beginning to decode some of the messages and that all the messages are mainly saying, kill the Christians, kill anybody that won't convert. So we are in the last days. So we need to be prepared. So in, the, so in these last days, it's imperative that as the body of Christ, we learn to operate as children of God. There's more to just confessing the word or speaking the word. Uh, there is more to living in the blessings than just reading the Bible and whispering a few prayers. Okay? Uh, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, especially in this time and age that we are uh, living in. He's wanting to cleanse us, purify us, and revitalize us in our lives so that the church, the individuals in the church will not have a spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And having a, without, oh, let's, let's go to that point there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. You want to pray? In Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 27. It says, That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Well, that's what the church needs, needs to be. That's what we need to be because the day is quickly approaching when we're going to hear that trumpet sound, not from the phone, but the trumpet sound. <laughs> you remember last time that, that, that went off, it was just a little faint, and I just turned Ashton White and said, we can't be all sitting here. <laughs> So, but that, that trumpet sound's going to call. And we need to be in this position without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Can you go up one verse? She says, jump up one verse. 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. So we do have the word, and we need to be cleansed when we find it, well, I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit. Well, they go together. Can I read it out of the Amplified? Oh, she's going to read it out of the Amplified? That's fine. Go for it. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, with spa without spot or wrinkle or any such things, that she might be holy and faultless. Hallelujah. 
Holy and faultless. He's expecting that at the trumpet call, that we are in that position. That means there might be some things that we need to get rid of in our lives. Some things that might be a little shady. I'm not going to say black or dark, but shady that should be removed. So the Holy Spirit, through, through being cleansed, uh, we are being developed into godly character. Amen. We are supposed to imitate. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate or follow, follow the Lord. So we need to be able to follow the Lord in his characteristics, his, his, his traits, godly traits. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Developing godly character. We need godly character. Uh, second, let's go to Second Peter. Chapter 1, looking at verse 3. That's Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to, the, to glory and virtue. Hallelujah. He's given us all the things. The book that you have in your lap gives you the insightful information and instructions that we need to be cleansed, to be purified. To have no spot or wrinkle or blemish. Amen. That means there will be no moral corruption in us any longer as this takes place. It's just, see, it's just not enough to escape the evil that's around us. There has to be victory. And we should demonstrate the fruit of the victory of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we need to be walking in those, those the footsteps that um, if we don't, if we're escaping the, 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 the evil, but we don't have the victory, that means there's something lacking. Our growth is not moving forward. And when growth is lacking, spiritual death takes place. If you're not re reading the word, not into the word, getting it, spiritual death is gnawing at you. It's like, we'll say, it's well, one of the most hideous things that, uh, that, are, that people have faced is cancer. It's hideous. It, it gnaws at you. And if we're not into the word, we're not taking our, you could say, our medicine, or the preventative, it, it, it just begins to bring corruption into our lives. So we need the word. And not just hear the word, but we need to be possessors of it. That means we need to retain it and walk with it. We have to have the action with the word. Amen. James says, show me your faith and I'll show you my walk. The two have to go together. We have to be doers of the word, not just hearers of it. And too, 
I would say, if, if you recall on Wednesday going through Driven by Eternity, those that are here, there are Christians that are hearing the word, but not doing it. And they will stand before in the program. They're standing and says, Lord, we heard the word. And he says, I never knew you because you never did the word. And too many, too many, too many Christians are sitting on their backside saying, well, I've got it made. I've got my fire insurance paid. That's not enough. He says, you need to do the word. He says, we need to do the word, not just hear it. So there has to be spiritual progress. We should be better tomorrow than we are today. Amen. We go from glory to glory. There is a change. It, it might not be an abrupt change. There has to be a change. Look for the changes in your life. You have anything yet? Yeah. Okay. When pastor started talking, the Lord had me look this up and go to Matthew 19. I've always found this really interesting. This was the rich, young man that had all this money. And he came to Jesus and he said, How, you know, what do I need to do? Um, he said to him, what sort of commandments? Jesus said, Jesus said in 17, and he said to him, what, what why do you ask me about, I'm in the Amplified, about the perfectly and essential good? There is only one who is good, perfectly, perfectly and essentially God. If you would enter into the life, you must continually keep the commandments. He, he said to him, what sort of commandments or which ones? This is interesting to me, which ones? And Jesus answered, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness or lie. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. The young man said, I have observed all of these from my youth. What shall I do? And Jesus answered, if you would be perfect, that is, have that spiritual maturity, which accompanies self-sacrificing character, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven, and come and be my disciple." But the young man heard, when the young man heard this, he went away and grieved in much distress, for he had great possessions. So what I see the Lord is saying here is, that thing that has a hold of you, get, get rid of it. I mean, it's pretty simple. I mean, this, his thing was his money. Money was his, his almighty, that's, you know. And Jesus said, because this man's saying, well, which, one, which ones am I not to do? And Jesus told him, and then he said, well, I... And do those, and then Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Well, the, the, he's, he's not going to tell that to every one of us because that's not our God. You understand what I'm trying to say? That's not what we have before God, but there are things that he's going to tell us to get rid of. The things that, that are taking the place of the Lord in our life in areas. And so I thought that was really interesting. Um, he couldn't do it. He probably would have been one of the disciples. And he would have ended up with a hundredfold. Can you imagine what would have happened to him? Go ahead. I just wanted to share that. 
So he couldn't develop that godly character because he wasn't willing to do what God asked him. Okay, in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 10, it says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So it's, as you learn, as you, you have a foundation of, of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as, uh, in salvation, you have to build upon it. So line upon line. So developing godly character is to build upon the word in your life. Have it build upon the word in your life. God's wanting to direct our paths. Amen. God's word is designed to set us free in every area of our life. It will cause a change to occur in us if we allow it to work. So just hearing the word, not doing it, is not allowing it to work. You can be able to recite the Bible back and forth, uh, quote scripture, but if you're not doing the scriptures, uh, just like she just mentioned, the rich young ruler, uh, he... He did the scriptures the way he wanted to, because that's why he was rich. I mean, the only reason he was rich and successful was because he followed the scriptures. But the one thing, one thing that God said, or Jesus said, you lack one thing. And oftentimes, it's the one thing that keeps us out. When you know that one thing that's, that is holding you back, or that which you're clinging to, you better cut the line. We need to cut the line. Each and every one of us need to cut that line. Otherwise, all that we have done is a, a, will amount to a goose egg. Nothing. So we need to receive all the word and do the word. Okay, we're going to have a definition of godly character, and virtue needs to, and virtue needs to correspond to God's standards. To have God's character developed in us, we have to follow His standards. Okay. First, what is virtue? Virtue, um, in the Greek, is in your Strong's Concordance 703. 703 in the Greek. It's A R E T E. It means to be pleasing to God. Virtue means to be pleasing to God. A moral sense which gives man his worth. Having moral excellence, courage, fortitude, perfection, and resolution. Once again. Virtue. To be pleasing to God. A moral sense which gives man his worth. Moral excellence, courage, fortitude, perfection, and resolution. In other words, you're going to follow through on what God has shown us. Once we have received the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, this is, the only, this is only the beginning of our Christian walk. I mean, 
when you first were born again, you were real happy and, and joyous, and all of a sudden, you know, there's certain things as you began to read, I hope you began to read or, or were taught that, ooh, this is not what God wants me to do. So, you know, we start to eliminate certain things in our lives, and our Christian walk gets, becomes stronger and deeper. It's when we come against things that we want to hold on to is when we put an anchor out and we can't go any further because it's will drift only so far with God's word and then that anchor will hold us back and in, in, in the maybe the sin or, or the complexity that has held us and we need to cut, cut the tie with that. Do you have anything yet? Okay. Although we've been called to walk in glory and virtue, seldom few. few walk in it. Although we've been called to walk in glory and virtue, seldom obtain it. Very few of us obtain it. Very few. You know, you'd say, wow, why is that guy being ministered or why is that person being... You know, you go up to somebody, how can you be that way? And you say, you know, I've been, in, I've been a Christian so long and I haven't attained that. Well, maybe we're not using that virtue like it should be. So this is a characteristic that we need to do. Okay, there's two reasons that uh, we don't obtain or walk in it. Number one, we have a tendency to want to take shortcuts in our spiritual growth. Hmm. You want to take shortcuts in our spiritual growth. Well, um, all of us know how to climb up a ladder, right? But some of us want to start at the top. So when you walk, start on a ladder, you don't... You should start on the first rung, and some of us, well, while well, I'm tall enough, I could, uh, all of a sudden you start missing things, or, or walking up steps. If you've got certain steps, sometimes you want to run up those steps, and have you ever kind of slipped and almost fell on your face because <laughs> if you did it correctly, you wouldn't fall. You know, this is, this is it with God's word. We need to follow, like I said, precept upon precept, line upon line, here, there, little, you know, develop on that foundation. We can't jump ahead of things. But uh, all too often, I can do that. I can do that. Although the word says you can do all things through Christ, we, we are doing it on our, in, on our own instead of allowing the Lord to direct us. I hate to say it, guys, but um, when we're driving on the road and, <laughs> and you're kind of lost without the GPS units, and uh, the wife will say, uh, I think we're going the wrong direction. No, 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 we're going the right direction. Why don't you stop at that gas station and find out? Oh, no, no, we don't need to stop there. And you drive forever, and finally going to the gas station, it's that way. You're, you know, so... We have a tendency to want to do it our own way. I don't, know if, I don't know if the ladies are like that. Cooking, I know they do. You've got to do it this way or else. 
But <laughs> driving, it's the guys you got to follow through. You know what I'm saying? Okay. We desire the blessings of God with the least amount of effort. We desire the blessings of God with the least amount of effort. Example, Joshua 1.8. Meditate day and night, and you shall be successful. Yeah, amen. We look at the scripture and say, okay, God, I'm believing for this. And you don't do it, and pretty soon, it's not a day and night experience with you, or us, or me. I'll put me there. I'm expecting it to... to just jump up. You know, I'm believing for this. Come on, God. Come on, God. But there's no work for me to, you know, we're, I'm ex I did it once. It should be done. A lot of Christians say, well, I did it. I believe in the faith, wor faith wor movement, but it never did happen. Why? They only tried it. You can't try it. You have to do it. Amen. Hello out there. So we neglect to have patience. It's far easier for someone else to do the work. Second Peter. Let's go to Second Peter right now. Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 5, and besides this giving all diligence and to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. It takes diligence to develop personal integrity. Okay, it takes diligence. Whoa, here are a few things that we may not like this morning. Yes. Get me off mute. Praise God. We need to go back to what virtue is, I think, so we all have, you know, an understanding again, so we don't let it slip through our mind. Virtue. To be pleasing to God, a moral sense which give man, gives man his worth, moral excellence, courage, fortitude, perfection, and resolution. And so he's saying here, um, what was the scripture you just gave? And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So it's pretty heavy, you know, perfection, courage. You know, it takes courage sometimes when you're around a bunch of people that are mocking God or not standing on the word or, or saying things that go against what the word of God says. It takes, it takes virtue. It takes courage to be the one that's different. How many know that? Because on your job, you might be the only one that is different at times. And Jesus does, did things with perfection. And I see believers, I know pastor, we talked about something the other day because unfortunately every believer, almost everyone that we've ever hired 
put the screws to us. I'm going to put it bluntly. And we were talking, I mean, it's sad, but it's the truth. You know, a lot of people go, well, I'm going to hire a Christian, but then they, they're the ones that end up cheating people. That should not be. The Christian should, should have such perfection in everything that they do and go beyond because we are the light to the unbelievers. So, you know, we were, he, he just mentioned that the other day and I said, unfortunately, it's true. It is the truth. Not all, but some. And it should never be with a believer. Okay, it takes diligence to desire God's nature to be rep reproduced in us. Amen. You're going to have to stand on God's word to have that characteristic built within us. Listen, virtue is freely given to those who choose to walk in obedience to the Spirit of God. Virtue is freely given to those who choose to walk in obedience to the Spirit of God. It does not happen overnight. And let me give you a nugget that just popped up. Are you ready for this new nugget? Obedience. Obedience leads to faithfulness. We got a second nugget today. Obedience leads to faithfulness. Hmm. You don't have obedience, there's no faithfulness. Okay. Okay, let's look at the second thing that, that uh, stops us from uh, developing. We have to guard against ourselves against the Samson theology. We have to guard against Samson theology. This is the mistaken idea that once we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and experienced his power flowing through us, that everything we do is right and okay. Isn't that what Samson thought? Everything he did was right and okay. I mean, you know, I'm killing all the, the bad guys and, you know, I can do my little thing on the side and it's not going to affect anything, but it did. And oftentimes we are, we are in the same channel or in the same boat as Samson. We think, okay, I'm a Christian. I can do these things because I got power to resist this. And you fall. And sometimes you, you go ahead and do it. And, and uh, you think, hey, well, God's with me because he hasn't, you know, all the good things are still happening when I go out there. But, you know. I can have a little dark side. No, it don't work that way. Hello. Samson experience excludes God for their own purposes. They drift far further away from the truth with a careless free attitude, having no regrets in doing so. This is where a lot of backsliders are. They exclude God for their own privileges. They drift further and further away from the truth with careless, with a careless free attitude, with no regrets in doing so. Well, God will forgive me. He knows my heart. Yeah, yeah he knows your heart. 
He knows where all the dark areas are. And he's asking, asking you or asking me to clean those areas up before that trumpet call. We are in the last days, and that trumpet call is going to come. We need to start. If we've got these things, we need to clean up. Because the day that trumpet blows, this church should be empty. That's right. You know, you wouldn't want to come at the door and find the place full. (laughs) But it does say broad is the way to destruction. Narrow. Narrow. And few Christians want to walk the narrow way. They don't want to walk the tightrope. They want to go on the, you know, experience. Well, we're not going to go there. What else are you going to have to say? Well, so many people say that God knows my heart. Or another one is you'll give them the word and they'll say, well, God didn't tell me that and I hear from God. If you hear from God, you're always going to hear the word. It's always going to line up with the word. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. And that's not, I'm always the one that gets to tell people this for some reason. It's like, but I'm, I can't, I can't not, you know, say. Let them be If someone is getting off and saying something that is not according to the word, I have to stop them and say, wait a minute. Back it up and let's look at what the word says. But a lot of people say, well, I hear from God and God told me to do this. And it's so far out from what the word says that I, I'm not one that can stand by and just let them just go on flapping. I just can't if, you know, if I'm in a, in, in a session with someone because I will stand before God and give an account if I sit there and agree. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't want to stand before God and give an account. And well, you, you just you just let it go by and whatever. And you're allowing this person to to lose what they could have in me. I can't do that. I mean, it's like on tithing, like I shared our first church. We went through this book with new converts and this one guy, we got to the tithing and he jumped up and looked at my husband and said, you know exactly what I give and you just want my money. And I'm sitting there going. So I told God, I'm not teaching this tithing part anymore and and I'll never forget what he said. He said, then I'll hold you responsible. I will hold you personally responsible for them losing out on the blessings and for them um, being in rebellion. I'll never forget. I, it was so heavy. And I said, fine, I'll teach you. We'll teach that the first one or whatever. You know what I mean? We didn't. We went by the thing. But sometimes the enemy will try to put fear in you to keep you from moving forward in the word. And so we need to ask ourselves when, or when people say, I hear from God, or when you want to say, well, I hear from God. Well, yeah, but what's God saying to you? And, and it really needs to line up with what the Word of God says, no matter what. Because God's not a man that he should lie, and he does not change. So I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. It's like, Pastor knows. Go ahead. Okay. Jeez. Oh, don't ever use that as an excuse, okay? That's a, I'll just put it that way. Uh, don't forget that... Uh the devil can come as an angel of light, so you know. Back your your 
words up with, with God's word, not, you know. Okay, let's go on. Today, God is wanting us to develop his characteristics, his traits, so we can be up there, you know. Because if you don't have his traits, we can't be up there. It's true. Um, let me read the whole thing together here. God, today God is wanting us to develop his character traits in us more than information and knowledge of himself. It is one thing to know about someone and another thing to know about them personally and intimately. As we spend time with the Lord, we will better understand the importance of our character being transformed into his image. So we're going to look at the first item of uh, God's uh, characteristics that we need to develop. Decisiveness. Decisiveness. Decisiveness is the power to decide on a controversy or a contest, to give wise judgment, and, it is, and is distinguished by promptness and firmness in decisions. Uh, what qualifies us to understand God, uh, oh, pardon me, the qualification for us to understand God's laws and commandments is decisiveness. Find out what his word says, laws and commandments. It's only as the word of God is, it's because the word of God is his final authority, and we need to know that. Um, our hearts need to make right decisions and not waver. Can you imagine God saying, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Let's flip a coin. Or, Gabriel, what do you think about this? Uh, no, God is decisive. He yeah. does not waver. Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. I got you all in a dither today because I had you right out. Thanks. Wake up. <laughs> Oops. I got Philippians. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 10. Uh, it should be highlighted in there in your Bible. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. From the Amplified it reads, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestinated, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. And you can add mm -hmm. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 on that one. He says, I've got plans for you, plans and good rewards. Glory to God, so that's what he wants. Jeremiah 11, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's 29, 11. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, now we're going to look at four areas that will reflect godly character in making decisions. You need to make a decision. I need to make a decision. 
I got to make some adjustments. I think. Well, thank you, Laurel. <laughs> you got to make it lightly, light in here. We need to be single-minded, not double-minded. Decisive, uh, I can't get these words out now, is developed in character. We refuse to respond. Uh, Reconsider. You want to read that for me? Sure. I, I, was, I was putting two words together in the earlier class, so I guess I could do this. Single-minded or double-minded, a decisiveness is developed in character. We refuse to reconsider a decision once we know it's right. When a right decision has been made, there will always be peace in our spirit. Then we go to James 1 and 1. James. I need a reader up here like those other churches have. Okay. You going to read that? No, and it goes one through. Yeah, what it is. One is, through eight. Okay. Want me to read it? Go ahead, go ahead. You can read from the Amplified, right? Yeah, one through eight. Okay. James, a servant of God, I'm reading out of the Amplified, and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered abroad among the Gentiles in the dispensations, greetings, rejoice. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations, be assured and, underst and, and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bringeth out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness, patience, have her perfect work or have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God, who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly, without reproaching or fault-finding, and it will be given him. Only it must be faith, be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting, for the one who wavers, hesitates, and doubts is like the billowing surge out of the sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. For being as he is a two man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. Wow. That, that's amazing. The one that I have circled is, he's not just unstable, but he's un, unreliable. You know, being reliable is a virtue. If you're going to say you're going to do something, then do it. Whoa. Okay, it says temptations always come to our soulish realm and through the flesh to get us to deviate from the right course of action. Okay. 
It's only as we follow our spirits to be trained in the ways of God that we will rise up and, and take precedence over the soul and the body. That's where Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we need to renew our mind to the things of God. Okay. Um, an individual that showed indecisiveness, if you, if you, I think you should have got there by now, in the book of uh, Numbers, chapters 22, 23, and 24. If you remember, this is where Israel is there, and a king wanted to come against Israel. So this king comes up to a man named Balaam and says, Balaam, you're a prophet of God. Curse these people for me. And Balaam says, I can't because they are God's people. And the, guy, the king says, well, I tell you what, Balaam. I'm going to trip over. No. I tell you what, Balaam. I'll give you X amount of money for it. Balaam says, let me think about that. He comes back and says, I can't do it because these are people of God. God has blessed them. The king says, you've got to. I don't like these people. I'll give you more money. I'll give you prestige in my kingdom. Let me think about that. Balaam goes out. He says, I can't. He thinks and he comes back to the, I can't do it. Why? He's decisive here. He's still on God's side, Israel's side. The king says, I'll give you half my, I'm giving you a little bit. I'm giving you all this. And Balaam says, wow, that's a lot. He comes back and says, I've got a plan. Throw a monkey wrench in Israel. And he did it. There is the indecisiveness of a lot of Christians. Oh, I can't do that. But I can give just a little bit of a small lie. They will, they'll forgive me. Anybody ever make a, have a lie, doctor? All of you come up here right now. We're going to cast the devil out of you. You're all, all of us have lied. I didn't hear you. Sorry. Well, just, a, just the one lie Turn, turned everything. The one lie. You know where Balaam is right now? Yep. One lie. Because he liked something. He's no, his, his name is not written in the book of life. You know, it's been erased. Want me to read to One me. lie. Yeah. And we all do it. We need to learn to bite our tongue. I mean, or bite our lip, however this, the phrase goes. Well, the Bible clearly states all liars go to hell. I mean, it does clearly state liars go to hell. So some of us, all of us need to brush up on that one. I know we kind of stretch the truth. Stretching the truth is not truth. It's a lie. I didn't lie. I just kind of deceived them. Uh, (laughs) You deceive. You deceive. We deceive ourselves. I'm not saying me, but that's what people think. we're, We're thinking the worst person is going to hell because they did that. Just a lie will get you it. We need to repent. Every day we need to repent. If you're lying, we need to repent of it. Repent means make a 
180 degree turn from that thing. Whatever we're doing, we need to turn. I, you just say, this is a rough sermon. Obedience leads to faithfulness. This new nugget. You want me to read this? She's going to read something somewhere. Numbers 22 and 23 and 24. Is that the whole chapters you Those have? Those chapters. Okay, because I like the part about the donkey. Oh, okay. <laughs> See. And God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way as an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his donkey, and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the way. And the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards and the wall the side of the, on the side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against it. And he struck her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was killed, kindled, and he struck the donkey. Isn't that? And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and said, she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you should strike me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have ridiculed and Now he's talking to a donkey. <laughs> You know, when you get into this kind of a mess, then you get really weird, you know. Don't we always point the finger at somebody else? I didn't do it. You must have. Yeah. It's your fault. Okay. Balaam was a prophet of God who never developed godly character. His life was a constant, inconstant indecision. He could never make up his mind whether to trust God or the finances of the world. Ultimately, the temptations of the world conquered him. And we know where he's at because mm -hmm. it, it's, it's mentioned. Okay, num number two, the, the second quality of uh, making decisions. A quality decision uh, with God avoids future failures. A quality decision with God avoids future failures. The decisions we make today influence the rest of our lives. The decisions you make today will influence the rest of your life. We cannot wait until the storm hits to make the right decision and build a strong house or fortress. If the decision is made without pressure and in the confidence of the peace of God, it will hold fast in times of adversity. Bad decisions, listen to this, bad decisions are generally ma those made upon the spur of the moment. Hello. The wisdom of God will cause us not to make hasty mistakes. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs and chapter 16. Proverbs uh, uh, chapter 16, verse 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts will be established. So if we, once we have things with the word, our thoughts will be established. We, we, they will be in peace. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. So what else we got here? Uh, 
someone that made a quality decision. You remember in the Old Testament, a man called Daniel in chapter 6, uh, it also says that Daniel had an excellent spirit and godly character. Um, Daniel was persecuted because he walked with God. He never wavered from a decision he had made. And he was not about to change. Wow. Hello. And you know the pressure was on him to change. I mean, you're going to go in with the lions. And they're hungry. You know, if we won't change, God will come on the scene and protect us. Because he shut those lions' mouths. Daniel spent the night with them. Those that had, had cursed Daniel were thrown in there and they ate them all. Think of, think of the protection that you have when you choose to do what the Lord's word says. Amen. Okay. There, and Daniel Amen. prayed three times a day and uh, the people, his enemies, decided, well, I'm going to get the king to make a declaration that no one's supposed to pray to anybody for 30 days but the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar falls for the trick, and he says, okay, there's a decree, nobody's going to pray. And Daniel says, I can't do this. So he opened his windows up, and he prayed, and he prayed three times a day. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 15. We want to look at verse 4, the latter part of verse 4. But we'll read the whole thing. But Verse 4, chapter 15 of Psalms. In whose eyes a vile person is condemned. But he honors them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changes not. What did Daniel do? He, did, he swore... How many of us make vows? I shouldn't say that. How many of you made promises to somebody? A vow is a promise. How many of you have ever made a promise to somebody and never fulfilled it? Because something else happened. Something came, came up. I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, oh, Lord. Okay. The wife has told you about my indiscretion what? of uh, oh. <laughs> during uh, a football game on Sunday night and we got in an argument or discussion I'll put it that way and uh, she went to church and I stayed home huh? anyway I mean we when you're a Christian, you need to go to church. I mean, that's a vow. I mean, you know, do not forsake the assembly of themselves. So I decided, well, you know, this is a crucial game. You know, I don't think it was my team, but it was a crucial game. Okay, well, okay, it was a crucial game. They lost anyway, whatever. I didn't swear to my hurt. I should have went 
to church that night. Guess what? Like she said, it was the wildest church service that our church at that time had. I mean, the place was packed. They had, we had an evangelist. I said, well, I'll see him. I'll catch him Monday. But that, that Sunday night, the place was packed, and people were just all, all over the floor. I mean, this was just a wild time. There were like 600 people slain in the spirit all over the floor. And I didn't get to be part of it. I guarantee you that never happened in that church. Probably th maybe 400 people. I don't know. I don't remember how many it held. But, yeah. So you, don't, never, you never know what's going to happen. It happened to us at Rhema. Oh. It's her fault. The woman thou gave me, Lord. <laughs> it was, it, it also, you know, it was a seminar, and we were tired. And he says, well, we get the tapes for the thing. You know, we'll buy the tapes and come in the next morning, and people were just, just talking all about what happened. Weren't you here? The thing exploded. I mean, the whole People were slain out in the park. All over. Life. I mean, they were, they were having a Jericho march. People going out to the, they had to carry people out to the parking lot. I mean, they, I mean people were slain all over the place. They didn't even close the, the service till late, late in the morning. And so when you think there is something better out there than church service, forget it. You know, when you go to those meetings, they're grueling. Dan knows from you're tired, man. You are really by Thursday night. Don't well, make excuses. I, no, I'm just but you are. And Brother Hagen's his service, the wild, the service where he finally got really wound up. I mean, really Cut loose. Thursday nights. That's I mean, you hear him teach on his teachings. We're going to wind this up and go through this next week. I'm not kidding. We can't go through this whole thing, but. His, he always felt you have to get the word into people, and then, then the power of God would take place. So I don't remember. I had symptoms. or I said, can't we just stay home? I, I really had to ask God to forgive me for that. So we've both been guilty of it, but it was, they had people that had, were, couldn't even get to their cars. They fell out in the parking lot. Yeah, walking under in the, the power. parking lot, dropping out. On a... On a January night, I believe it was. Yep. It's cold there. I mean, mine was probably worse than he. I don't know whose was worse. We just won't even go there. But I'll take the blame on that one. And I repented. <laughs> but you know that it was for pastor, and I'm going to share this for people that have backslidden and come back to the Lord. When you've backslidden... Because you got in the habit of this, it's really hard to come back. And the church she was born again in anyway, they, didn't, they only went once a week. So, um, well, not in that. He was born again in a different church, but went back to his original church. And so it was different. And so it didn't, it, it wasn't, it, he had a hard time coming back to, not back to the Lord, but all the services that we had at the church, but I was a brand new believer and I knew 
God, you have saved me from so much that I wanted to be there all the time. And so I can, and he, you know, it was, it was a, it was a fight. It was one of the few fights we've had, but it was a ripping fight. I can remember that. I hate, please turn off the tape. Anyway, but God, God told me, he said, if you want to keep this family intact, you have to be there at every service. Well, I learned later why. That's when they got rid of our pastor. And it would have, it, it, I literally could have backslid on the, on the pew and God said, you have to stay stable. Back there when he told me that, it was for a reason and a purpose because I was gonna have the opportunity to be, become very offended when all this stuff came down in our church. And so we need to understand that no matter what, come hell or high water, Unless, unless you have symptoms and you can't make it, and I understand that, or whatever. But he, had, he wanted to watch this Bears game. It was in the playoffs or something. And, and I think that personally is why I don't like football, I'll be honest. You all know I don't like it. That's probably why. There, I said it. Do what you got to do. <laughs> okay, we'll pick up. <laughs> Now I know, I understand why now, so I'll deal with it. We'll pick up next week. Uh, we'll continue Where looking at we? a few other uh, characteristic uh. godly traits that we need to develop and de being decisive on our choices and not, you know, waver. Let's all stand. Mm, um, yeah, that's, where did we end? We're going to go on number three. Okay. Thank you for making out the cards. I will look at, look at them. Maybe I'll give give you some insight. Like I said, uh, when we were out soul winning yesterday, uh, I asked, find out what people think. Then I figured, what do people think in church? So we'll find out. Then we'll see if we're right or wrong. Okay. Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true, Father God. We're asking, Father God, that... Uh, we become more like Jesus, Father God, as we follow through, Father God, on that which we hear, Father God, that which we read, and Father God, that which we meditate upon, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is within us, Father God, changing us from glory to glory. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. Give us a great day, Father God. We thank you for the blessings that are upon us. And everyone said, Amen.